Hello friends and thank you for joining me for another solo episode of My Big Fat Mouth starring, well, just just me, just me again for another week. Um, I have lots of exciting things to talk about this week though, so, so that's uh, pretty nice. Um, I don't want to waste any time, I want to get straight into the show today, so uh, let us begin. And first things first, we're gonna be doing the the usual uh, "What have I been up to?" section. That's gonna be that's gonna be where we start today. Um, but there is going to be a slight difference to this week's uh, "What have I been up to?" So um, I want to I want to really sort of be concise at the start of the of the cast here and get straight into it. So instead of sort of spending five minutes or so just kind of having a general chit chat with you like I often do, we're gonna go straight into section one, and that is "What have I been up to?" Uh, so, uh, what do you, what have you been up to, mate? What have you been up to? So, those of you that frequent my Discord server uh, will be aware that I said I had to be up at the crack of dawn today. Uh, as you know, I filmed the vodcast on a Sunday, and Sunday is usually my one day off ish. I mean, obviously, I you know do the vodcast, but for the most part, Sunday is a day off for me. I spend the vast majority of the day just relaxing with Jenny, and you know we usually cook something nice and just chill out with the cat, and it's quite lovely. But today we had to be up very early. Uh, we had to be up very early because we had to leave the house very early, and we had to leave the house very early because we had to go and collect this guy. Uh, now, I apologize again if you are listening to this in audio only, but I currently will have put two pictures up on the screen of our lovely new cat, Nigel. Um, he's beautiful. He is uh, a little blue moggy. He was born feral, but very quickly recovered by, uh, by a rescue home. Uh, he was also born only with three legs, and, and that means that, unfortunately, due to the way humans work and how shit we often are, um, that for the majority of people he would be less less desirable for adoption um but we really fell in love with him we we really think he's 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 a shy cat but you can see him warming quite quickly he loves uh you know some good scru scruffing and and scritches and um he he warmed up to us very quickly despite being really shy and being quite timid uh and we just kind of fell in love with him and me and Jenny discussed it and we said, well, look, you know, of all the cats that were there, he's probably the least likely to be adopted. And he's such a nice cat. He really deserves a good loving home. Um, and we kind of also sort of always wanted a blue cat anyway. We really like blue cats. So we decided to bring him home with us. Uh, we signed all the paperwork yesterday and then went to collect him this morning. And he is now a member of our family. As I speak at this moment, he is in our bedroom, just kind of acclimatizing to the house out of the way of the other cat. Uh, we have done a little first stage introduction with the other cat, which went quite well. Uh, Trev was a little bit hissy, but you know, he wasn't sort of attacking him or anything like that. He, he wasn't trying to get at him. Um, we kept him in his carrier anyway so that he was safe and we were also there as a second physical barrier between Trev and the kitten. So it was, you know, it was a very safe introduction for the kitten. But it was good to see that Trev wasn't sort of aggressive. Uh, he sort of hissed more kind of defensively, like he's a little bit scared of him, which wouldn't surprise me because Trev is also a bit of a skittish cat. Um, but it's just, it's lovely to have another one. We've wanted another one since Trev was about six months old. Uh, and we didn't want to leave it too much longer because we didn't want there to be a massive age gap between them. You know, we want them to sort of become adult cats at roughly the same time. So um, the new kitten is six months old already. Uh, Trev is a year old. So, you know, only six months apart, that's pretty good. Um, and it does mean that they'll sort of mature at roughly the same rate, which is really nice. But we're just so in love. We're just so fucking in love with this animal. He's such a little sweetheart. And uh, as he gains more confidence, I can't wait to, to welcome him into the family. Uh, so I've been being a little bit secretive about that over the last couple of days. Um, I've kind of, you know, been talking a bit less because I knew that if I... Uh, if I talked too much, I knew that I would want to blurt it out. I knew that I'd want to be like, we're getting a new fucking cat! Um, and obviously I've, you know, managed to kind of stop myself from doing that, which is which is quite nice. Uh, but yes, he's here now. And so, uh, yeah, uh, say, say hello to Nigel, everyone. I will, uh, once his confidence is up a little bit, I will try and actually bring him on video for people to see. And again, my apologies to people who listen audio only that you won't be able to see the pictures of him. Uh, but if you 
find me on social media or, or if you join my Discord, there will be lots of pictures of him forthcoming. So if cats are a thing that excites you, then uh, we'll start this hobby pod slash vodcast talking about something completely unhobby related, but cats will be uh, will be a thing that you will like, I'm sure. Uh, so moving on from there, uh, cool hobby stuff has been happening as well. Uh, I, I could quite happily, I'm going to have a sip of coffee. I could quite happily spend the entire morning just talking about the new kitten because he's just perfect. He's just beautiful and perfect and wonderful. Um, but instead, what I'm actually going to do is talk about hobby. Uh, I finally broke and started to learn TTS. Finally. Uh, for some of you, that will come as a non-subject, you know. The, most of you probably just will be like, oh, okay, you're playing, you're playing TTS. Um, Warhammer 40k, of course. Uh, but for those of you that, that sort of are in my Discord and talk to me quite regularly, you'll know that I've been really, really reluctant to play 40k on TTS. Um, mostly because I've really always found TTS very frustrating to use for everything I've tried to use it for. Uh, I've tried to use it for magic, absolutely hated it. Tried to use it for D&D, absolutely hated it. Tried playing with it in VR, absolutely hated it. Um, but actually, TTS 40k is surprisingly good. Uh, TTS works quite well. It's Tabletop Simulator, by the way. For anyone who doesn't know what the acronym is, I realise that I've said it several times without actually explaining what it means. Um, but it really does work surprisingly good, and I'm, I'm quite amazed. You still kind of want the books on hand. Um, I mean, you probably want, like, Warhapedia open so that you can reference stratagems at a glance and stuff like that. But... Um, it is, it's It's decent, it's It's playable, it's not the worst experience, it's a bit clunky, but surprisingly featureful. Uh, when you've got the Battlescribe to TTS mod, your stats from your uh, Battlescribe army list can be tagged over to the models in your army, so that when you hover the models you get their stats at a glance, and when you expand the info on them, you get the full complete um, Battlescribe stat list for them. So it's actually, it's actually really, really cool, uh, and it's meant that I finally got to play 9th edition. Believe it or not, despite being a, you know, I mean, hobby is literally my life, um, I hadn't played a single game of 9th because, um, well, I'd recently moved to the area uh, when lockdown came in. I'd, I'd only lived in the area that I live in now for a month when lockdown first came in, and... Um, I managed to get a game of 8th in right at the end of 8th, but then lockdown came in and didn't really have any friends locally. Uh, so, you know, even when lockdown got relaxed, which was only a week in Leicester anyway, we got a week of relaxation before we went straight back into lockdown. Um, but even during the time when it got relaxed, I didn't know anyone, so I just never had a chance to play. And so for the full time, you know, I've been watching uh, lots of tabletop titans, lots of mini wargaming, lots of tabletop tactics, uh, you know, trying to sort of get some ideas of what's interesting in the edition. Not necessarily what's what's the best, because that's not really the kind of Warhammer I play. Uh, I don't really play or have any interest in competitive Warhammer. I, I like to play flavorful lists or lists that are full of miniatures that I really enjoy. Uh, you know, the miniatures that I think look cool or do something cool, that kind of thing. Um, so I don't tend to play like very optimized lists. I don't tend to play very sweaty lists, I guess is the easiest term for it. Um, but at the same time, you know, you still want to try to stay fairly up together on, you know, what people are playing, how they're playing it, uh, what stuff is like in the edition, so that you can, you know, get a bit of an understanding of what's going on, what the environment is, um, and, and, and also so that you can identify the units that are just really shit, because at the end of the day, if a unit is just really shit, uh, like Scouts, for example, after the new Space Marine Codex, are just shit, I really wanted to play Scouts and Sergeant Teleon in my Ultramarines list, um, and in the old Codex, they weren't too bad, you know, because all Space Marines were one wound, so comparatively to other Space Marines, that wasn't a problem. Uh, they were a troops choice, and they were a cheaper troops choice than tactical Marines, so they definitely had their place. But now, they're an elite choice. Um, they the, the points adjustment doesn't really, you know, that's nothing. 
Um, but they're, they're, they're an elite's choice, and they're still only one wound despite all other Astartes being two wounds, which, like, I'm fine with, because obviously, you know, their, their transhuman transformation isn't complete necessarily when they're a scout. Um, but it just makes them so much worse than tactical marines now. Like, they're not that much cheaper, but they are that much worse. Uh, so you play Tactical Marines um, and Intercessors in a bit of a mix now. The main reason to play Tactical Marines at all, I've found, is mostly for their transports, to be honest. Um, a Razorback costs 10 points more than a Repulsor and actually has a weapon that can kill armor on it. You know, like a Twin Last Cannon Razorback um, actually has a weapon that can, you know, do some serious damage. It has a Twin Link Last Cannon. Which, you know, has the potential to do 2d6 damage. Um, you know, 2 to 12 wounds to something every single turn that it's alive. Um, and it can transport 6. And, and tactical squads of 6 are actually quite good. Um, because, like, I think it's important to max out what the Razorback can fit in it. Because a lot of the time, um, when they disembark, they're going to receive fire. Or the vehicle's going to explode with them in it. And, you know you're probably going to roll 1-1, one, 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 right? Like, statistically, you're fairly likely to roll 1-1, one, one, uh, whether you're rolling on 5 dice or 6 dice. Uh, obviously, statistically, you're guaranteed to roll 1-1 one, one on 6 dice. Uh, statistically, obviously, you're not always going to do that, but you you know, you know play by the stats. Um, but I think you are fairly incentivized to maximise the number of Marines that you can have in that Razorback, because it does mean that in those situations where... Um, before they get to really be effective, you're probably going to have lost at least one of them. Uh, so, you know, having the maximum number kind of makes sure that you've still got the most left over in the squad. But then, um, some of the stratagems that, that are applicable, um, they are 1 CP when the squad is 5 or less, and 2 CP when it's 6 or more. Uh, so, you know, by the time you've then lost that one Marine, then you're down to the sort of discounted, uh, cheaper stratagems kind of section as well um and another thing that i noticed that's pretty cool is you can put a storm bolter on a tactical sergeant which is something i'd completely forgotten about but in terms of the firepower of that squad that's like putting an extra marine in the squad for i think it's like it's like five or ten points it's not a lot i think it's i think it's five points to put a storm bolter on a sergeant but in terms of firepower that's literally an extra marine in the squad like it's two more bolter shots that hit on threes and are still strength four um so yes, you know, losing the AP is bad, but like Ultramarines kind of come into their own in the Tactical Doctrine anyway. They always spend two turns in the Tactical Doctrine because they get to um, have Bolter Discipline even if they've moved. But basically, Ultramarines don't count as having moved when they're in the Tactical Doctrine. Uh, so you get like the full 24 inches of rapid fire with a normal Bolter or the full 30 whatever it is with uh, a Bolt Rifle. Um, so yeah, what what I've done is I've, I've kind of got these two Razorbacks with two squads of six Firstborn, but then the Sergeant has got a Storm Bolter in each one, um, which effectively means that they're putting out shots of, of seven Marines, uh, even though there's only six of them. They're maxing what the Razorback can carry, and the Razorback itself is, is a pretty good body. Um, it could do with another wound, I'll be honest, but it's not shit. Um, you know, it's still... It's still tough seven, it's still a three up save, like it's not awful. Um, they're still having to direct big guns at it if they want to kill it, which means that it's taking fire off of things like the Storm Raven, for example, that are in my list, which is fucking 370 points with all of its loadout. Um, that is expensive. And then that's 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 the one unit in the list that I'm still a little bit 50-50 on. I love it so much that I really want to keep it. Um, but there are definitely other things that I could take, um, and definitely other things that I perhaps should take. There's a possibility, for example, that uh, it should just become two repulsors to be able to transport the Primaris side of the army, um, and there'd still be some points left over, I believe. Yeah, because I think repulsors are one... I think a, 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 a raw repulsor is 110, I think. So I'd get two repulsors... I'd actually get three repulsors and still have change, but I'd get two repulsors and have enough change to, to get something meaningful. Um, so, you know, there's possibilities that the list still needs to be tweaked a bit more, but now that I'm actually playing, thanks to Tabletop Simulator, uh, that is... Um, 
that is an option that I have. I can, I can now start to analyse my armies and, you know, start to make adjustments and that kind of thing, which is great. Uh, so TTS has been fantastic because I'm finally starting to learn the edition, uh, starting to, you know, come up with some ideas regarding my armies. Uh, the Ultras are the army I'm focusing on at the moment because they're the army that I'm focusing on painting-wise as well. Uh, my Blood Angels are still about 50% done, but I kind of got a bit sick of painting them, needed a break. Um, and my Tau, uh, again, they're about 50% done, but I just fucking hate painting the Fire Warriors. Uh, all the all the battle suits and everything, I love painting, and I, I can't wait to get round to them. I just don't want to touch them until I've done all the Fire Warriors, and I hate painting the Fire Warriors. So my Tau are kind of on hold until I get a desire to paint the Fire Warriors, and then once I've spanked all them out of the way, then I'll do the rest of my Tau. Obviously, my Word Bearers are finished. Uh, my Imperial Guard just need touching up. My Gene Stealer Colts, I barely own any miniatures for at the moment. So the Ultramarines are kind of my focus right now. Um, and so with that in mind, I'm focusing on them as an army as well, which, you know, kind of makes sense to me. So so that's where we're at with, with regards to, to all that kind of thing. Um, the other thing that I've been up to recently that I'm loving so much is private lessons. Uh, as you will have seen, a couple of videos have gone up on the YouTube recently where I've actually ripped private lessons uh, and either taken sections of them or the complete lesson and put them up on YouTube so that people can have a sort of long play video with lots of one, you know, one to one time painting. Um, so what that means is, you know, obviously in order to keep videos concise, a lot of the time I have to use highly sped up footage where you can kind of see what I'm doing, but it's a little bit hard to maybe see some of the more nuanced, finer points of what's happening. Um, Whereas, you know, with actual speed footage, with, with one-time speed footage, you can obviously see every single stroke, how I lay it, where I lay it, etc., etc., uh, which is very helpful. And so, with that in mind, uh, it, it seems like these lesson videos have actually been very popular. People seem to really like them, and hopefully that will continue to be the case, because uh, I really like giving the lessons, and they're actually really enjoyable to turn into videos as well. So... It's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been very interesting from the point of view of I have an opportunity to to get better at teaching, uh, which is something I've always had a passion for. I did a bit of teaching in my early twenties. Um, I worked for a college and I really enjoyed teaching. Um, so having the opportunity to get a bit better at it, to hone those skills is obviously fantastic growth for me, uh, and also just being able to feel like I'm helping other people with their painting is hugely satisfying. Um, but the fact that it just happens to also be making good content on the side that people are enjoying watching, like, I never knew that was gonna happen, and I love that, I love that. I love being surprised uh, when it comes to the things that you folks are into. Uh, because, you know, obtaining feedback on what people actually like, what they want more of, is actually really difficult. People just don't wanna answer questions like that very often. Um, and it's really hard to get enough engagement to know what people want to see more of and what people don't want to see more of. Um, so when it kind of just becomes obvious just based on the numbers, uh, you know, when you sort of think something's not going to really perform very well and then suddenly like a bunch of people have watched it and it ranks really high on your most recently watched videos, then it's like, oh, fucking sweet, that's that's great news. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just been a really rewarding experience all around uh, delivering these lessons. I've really enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to doing more. Uh, so that is what I've been up to. Now let's talk about what I'm high on right now. Yeah, what am I high on right now? So, what am I high on right now? Um, well, I actually, I kind of almost nearly started to go into it in the last section, which is what kind of prompted me to, uh, to move forward into the next one. Um, but exploring ninth um, and starting to pick up some hands-on experience has been very, very rewarding this last week or so. And that's something I'm really looking forward to doing a bunch more of. Um, I didn't really, I got back in in eighth, but I didn't have a ton of opportunities to play during eighth. And so the last time I had really good, solid experience of how to play Warhammer was fifth edition because obviously 6th and 7th were during a break when I wasn't involved in the hobby. Um, and my experience has been feeling very, very dated, and I've been making a lot of um, not great assessments on like the power level of units. 
and that's like that's not necessarily a problem because like I said I I don't really care about competitive Warhammer in any way um, and I only really want to play units that I like anyway and so that's not the end of the world if I'm not the best at judging the power level of, of units but then with the amount of experience I have from sort of fifth and backwards it used to be something that I was very good at and it was something that I could kind of take part in conversations about um, and it's just a lot harder to take part in conversations now because my knowledge just isn't as relevant and I'm not someone who will just be like oh this content creator said it's good so it's good like I want to look at it and, and understand that for myself understand why uh, understand you know what things it's good against what things it's weak to that kind of stuff um, I want to be able to kind of qualify information in my own head and you just you need experience of the edition to do that you can't you can't do that uh, just by watching just by consuming content um, and so I've not really been able to kind of start to make good sound evaluations yet but that's something that's now starting to become a bit more available to me uh, you know it's a skill that I'm starting to be able to work on again as I as I gain a bit of a, like you know just from the couple of games that I played um, I've already had some better understandings about some stuff that I thought was good and some stuff that I thought was maybe not so great uh, within my Ultramarines list for example and made a couple of tweaks to that um, so like it doesn't take long for you to start to you know confirm some of your thoughts or maybe you know have a bit of a better knowledge base to be able to make some more informed decisions and whilst I'm never going to be chasing that kind of uh, competitive glory I'm never going to be looking for that but that doesn't mean that I don't necessarily like the idea of you know having a, a reasonable understanding of the format um, you know of the addition of, of how it's played uh, what are the things that you sort of really want uh, I still think it's useful to have those skills even if you're not trying to be super competitive um, because it also makes you sort of be able to it, it empowers you more to pitch the power level of your lists more to the kind of power level that you want to play against as well um, you know I, I would hate to accidentally make a list that's like way more powerful than I intended for it to be um, and I'm, you know, trying to arrange all these like really casual games with really chilled, laid-back players, and then just smashing everyone all the time. Like I wouldn't want that. Um, and I do think, like, my Ultramarines list, I think, is actually maybe a little bit better than I thought it was. Um, in the game of Ninth that I played recently, uh, I made a terrible mistake on turn one with my flyer. But other than that, I I, I made another minor mistake as well to do with. Um, my flyer can carry a dreadnought, so in my head I was just like, so it should carry a dreadnought. Actually, it probably shouldn't. It's probably good enough if it's just carrying a squad of Terminators. It probably doesn't need to be carrying a dreadnought as well. But in my head, I felt really convinced uh, that it should be carrying a dreadnought, because it can. And um, so sort of all the mistakes I made were kind of surrounding my flyer. But outside of that, I actually played a pretty tight game of Warhammer. Um, and I really dictated uh, the pace of the game and the positioning of the game. I was able to do that, which as Ultramarines is what you definitely want to be doing, I think. I think you want to be choosing the range at which you engage your enemy. Uh, because that's Ultramarines' real strength. Uh, is that, you know, they can, they can be a lot more mobile than most Space Marine armies. Um, which enables them to be able to dictate the range of combat a lot more in the game and so that's something they should be doing um, and I felt like I did a very good job of doing that and if we sort of remove the big mistake that I made um, because also like my, my opponent played a, a good game as well but they also made some mistakes you know they fell for quite a few of my my baits for example like I I, I was playing a lot of um a lot of bait strategies where I was kind of putting juicy targets in places where I wanted to position my opponent's particular units so that I could make them less effective. Um, for example, I got to control where uh, an entire unit of Dawn Eagle Jetbikes, my, my opponent was on Custodes, I got to I got to basically pack an entire unit of Dawn Eagle Jetbikes and Alaris Terminators into the same space for the entire game. I got to just contain them in one corner of the board and just keep them there for the entire game. 
which was vital. Like, I don't want them to be able to run amok and position themselves wherever they want, especially those Dawn Eagle jet bikes. Like, they're really, really mobile, and one of the great things about them is that they can kind of be wherever they want to be. So being able to kind of play your opponent into keeping them contained in a small pocket of the table where I can kind of decide how much damage they're going to do was really crucial. Um, and so, you know, like, I made some mistakes, my opponent made some mistakes. Uh, I made some mistakes kind of forgetting certain stratagems and positioning a couple, uh, a key unit, the Flyer, badly. Uh, because the Flyer was carrying, like, say, a Dreadnought and five Terminators and a Tech Marine. Like, it was carrying uh, a lot of stuff, and so therefore positioning it badly meant that all the units it was carrying ended up positioned badly as well. Um, but if you remove the mistakes that we both made from the equation and... You just look at the die rolls. Uh, I had two turns in a row of really, really awfully bad die rolls. Um, and during both of those turns, um, my opponent was making, like, all the invuln saves in the world. Um, and so, like, if you, if you kind of then do the mental math and kind of adjust that game and say, okay, so if my opponent had have actually made sort of a representative number of involved saves instead of just constantly passing them, um, how would that game have looked? And the game was very, very close. It was only, I think, about seven points in it at the end. Um, and I feel pretty certain that with more, with more sort of average die rolling... Um, that probably would have been a game that I'd have either picked up the win or it would have been a very close draw. I definitely don't think I'd have lost it. Uh, so that you know, that obviously that isn't that's not something to be salty about because it's a dice it's a dice game. Like we all sign up to play that. Um, you can't be mad if you lose a game because of dice that you otherwise would have won because you chose to play a fucking game with variance that's based on dice, right? So you don't get to be mad about that. But what it does tell you is that your strategy. Um, definitely had merits to it you were doing stuff right because if you managed to still pull a close game despite two turns of awful die rolling and a huge mistake at the start of the game if you still manage to pull a close game obviously then the you know the information you can take from that is that the other things that you were doing strategically were very good um so that's really good for me to know because it, it sort of tells me like i still understand how to play warhammer I just need to kind of learn this edition a lot more. I need to get more, much more up to speed on, on what's going on in ninth edition. Um, and I also need to kind of memorize my stratagems more and remember where to where to play them. That's definitely key. Uh, the So the whole thing with, with the mispositioning of the flyer, I will quickly clarify it just so that you understand the nature of the mistake. Um, I thought that I could enter hover mode, move the flyer, and then disembark, but the troops that disembarked wouldn't be able to move. I didn't realize that the um, disembark rules were that if you're going to disembark, you have to do it before the the model moves. Um, so I moved the model right into the center of the table, um, and what I what I wanted to do was um, drop off the terminators there, but not the dreadnought. I wanted to then move again and drop the dreadnought off. Uh, I wanted, I wanted the, the Terminators there, but I wanted the Dreadnought and the Tech Marine elsewhere. Um, and what ended up happening was because I made that fuck up and didn't realise that I couldn't disembark my Terminators there, the vehicle then got destroyed subsequently, um, and I then had a Tech Marine and a Dreadnought right in the centre, of the, literally fucking in the centre of the board, where they really didn't want to be. The Dreadnought was a shooty configured Dreadnought. It was a, a Relic Contemptor with Twin Lass on both arms. That does not want to be slap bang in the centre of the board, where it can just constantly be harassed and, you know, be made ineffective. Now, obviously, as an Ultramarine, it can fall back and shoot. Um, so, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world, but it did... Um, it was a mistake. It was a serious mistake. And it was me not refreshing myself on a rule that was important to my army. Uh, because I'm playing so many transports like when my when my army starts on the table uh three of its five infantry squads are in transports so i should make sure that i'm up on all the transport rules right and i didn't um which is completely my fault but again you know that kind of information is really good um when you're sort of trying to pick up hands-on experience and learn and get better uh, stuff like that is really it's really useful because you you know 
it's just a silly human error. It's just a, I forgot to refresh myself on rules that were relevant to my army. It wasn't a, I have a fundamental misunderstanding of what my army should be doing, or I have drastically over-evaluated the power of a certain unit. You know, it's nothing like that that says I've misinformed myself. It's just a case of uh, I, I made a mistake. You know, I made a, an administrative error, as it were. So that was, that was really, really useful. Um, and, and that's really kind of being able to unpack that game has really kind of given me this buzz for continuing to develop my skills and, and learn the addition more. Um, and from there, that'll also allow me to sort of tune some of those other army lists. Again, I mentioned this briefly earlier, but but some of the other armies that I have, I definitely want to do a bit of tuning with. Um, my Imperial Guard army, for example, uh, which I'm, I'm looking over at now, uh, I've always loved playing a Baneblade because it's just such an iconic unit. I know it's terrible. It's way too many points for what it does. Um, but I've just always really liked playing it. And um, I think I should probably tweak my guard list to not have that Bane Blade in it because I think I need to be playing like some Basilisks and Chimeras. And I definitely want my guard list to be a bit more competitive. But, like... Guard is, is probably my favourite army. Um, so I'd really... It's my favourite army that I own. Orcs is probably my actual favourite army, but I don't know if I'll ever own an Orc army. Um, but I would probably like my Guard list to be my most powerful army uh, because it's my favourite one. So, you know, when I want to play those really high power level games uh, or those, you know, higher power level games relative to what I normally play, I want to pick up the army that I love most uh, for doing that. And I think, you know, so with that in mind... Um, I want to learn more about the edition. I want to continue to tweak army lists because I, I want to be able to develop my Imperial Guard list to be excellent. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's about what I'm high on right now. That's what's exciting me. Um, now let us talk about the rant. So today's rant might actually come as very little of a surprise to a lot of you. Um, if you've been keeping up to date on the news, the UK, as of Thursday, is going to be going back into a four-week lockdown. Uh, straight back to square one. And this is a bit of a shit thing to have to rant about because I think a lot of us here in the UK have kind of known this was coming. The way our government has handled the lockdown has been really fucking wishy-washy and backpedally and inconsistent and incoherent and it's been really fucking hard to understand what you can and can't do. The whole thing has just been so silly and so shitly managed. Um, but the biggest fuck you of it all is that it just feels like drawing a line under the statement of understanding that it's still going to be a real fucking long time till we all get to see each other again um and that's just fucking shit i honestly don't have a ton to say about it and i know that the rant section is usually one of the longer sections but on a subject like this like i don't think i can rant for too long about it because i think it's something that's probably on the minds of almost every fucking person in the uk at the minute but I think just what what's really irritating about it is that it all comes down to two things, and that is a shit government response, which it just has been. I don't really give a fuck if you have a difference of opinion on that. Um, just comparing our response to, to that of other countries tells us that it's an inadequate response. Like, it's not it's not a matter of opinion, it's a matter of fact. And... The second thing is just all the fucking selfish people that, like, have done their very best to stretch the rules as much as they possibly can um, and have basically just done what the fuck they ever they've wanted to during restrictions. Um, you know, those two things combined have just... It just feels like a huge kick in the teeth for folk like myself and I'm sure a lot of you listening to this who have really done their best to play by the rules. You know, maybe, like, once or twice you've accidentally broken the rules, like you've forgotten about something and, you know... I think we probably have. I couldn't tell you if we have or not, but I think it's probably quite likely that we've made a mistake here or there. You know, accidentally gone somewhere that's outside of the restricted zone that we should have gone to or whatever. Um, it's definitely a possibility, but, like, we certainly haven't done it on purpose, um, and it's certainly 
has happened almost never. You know, uh, if we have done it, it's been maybe like once or twice during the whole fucking lockdown. But I'm talking about these people that have just like from the word go, just done whatever the fuck they wanted and not cared one bit about the consequences. Um, and it's just kind of got me feeling down now. You know, I've been so good at not letting all of this get to me. And I'm really surprised in myself. I really thought this would get to me. Uh, I thought that I'd find lockdown really, really hard. I thought that I would uh, sink really, really deeply into depression. And don't get me wrong, there's definitely been periods where depression has um, crept back in, but not necessarily specifically linked to lockdown, maybe things that are just sort of exacerbated by lockdown as opposed to are because of lockdown. Um, I actually feel like it's kind of been better than I thought it would be and now I just feel genuinely actually depressed because of lockdown. I just really hate the idea of being actually stuck for another four weeks, actually no choice for another four weeks. And like, on top of that, it still just feels so far away until we're gonna get out again. Um, and it just makes me angry. Like, I'm never a person to give up hope. I'm always like, I'm always the person that holds on to hope. Hope is what's probably fucking got me through the last 35 years of my life. But, you know, hope only cuts it so far, right? Like, there comes a point where, like, it's really hard to not give in to despair. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of teetering at the moment. I feel like I'm kind of on the edge of giving in to despair because I just want to like go and see my mum, you know? That's the big one. I just want to go and see my mum. I want to give her a cuddle. She's an old lady, you know? And she's isolating with my sister, so it's not like she's completely on her own. Um, my, well, I think my sister's part of her support bubble. They're not actually isolating in the same house, but my sister's part of her support bubble. Um, so she's not like completely alone. But I haven't seen her for fucking six, seven, eight... How long's lockdown been now? Nine months, maybe? I've lost count. I've, I've genuinely lost count. Um, just miss my mum. And that's like, I don't... You know, even as a 35-year-old grown-ass man, I don't mind saying that. I just fucking miss my mum. I want to go and give my mum a cuddle. I want to see her at Christmas and be able to, you know, give her a little present. It doesn't even have to be anything major. Just a little something just to say I love you, mum, you know? And I can't do that. And I know I'm not going to be able to do that. We're going to go into this four-week lockdown. We'll come out of lockdown at the start of December and we'll still be in a restricted situation um, at the start of December. And by the time it gets to Christmas, I still won't be allowed to see her. I still won't be allowed to go around her house for Christmas, you know. Might be able to see her through a window, maybe. That's probably going to be about as good as it gets. And it just pisses me off. I just... The fact that some of the blame belongs to the government and some of the blame belongs to selfish people. I know I know that there's a degree to which none of this can be helped. There's a degree to which we're just fucked right now and we have to accept it. Um, you know, there just is a disease going around that's fucking killing people and we need to do stuff to be safe. Um, but the exacerbation and how drawn out it is, you know at least a portion of the blame for those things lies at the feet of selfish people and the government and those because of that it just infuriates me it just makes me really fucking angry um and i don't i don't really want to break down all the minutiae of it i don't really want to go into all the specifics of it because i've done it before um and i think we all kind of know at this point like everyone in the uk kind of knows where the uk government has fucked up you know this three tiers system was absolute bollocks we should have gone into a full lockdown you know, we should have never even relaxed the full lockdown the first time. We should have just fucking stayed in one big, chunky, long lockdown. By now, we'd probably have very minimal restrictions needed. Um, but, you know, the government keeps hiding behind the economy, uh, using that as an excuse. And so here we are, because people believe it, you know? People, people genuinely believe that the government's agenda is to protect jobs and to protect people's livelihoods. It's like, okay, if that's if that's what you want to think, that like you know, I, I I don't want to go any further than that into it. I really don't because because it will just make me super super angry and and I don't want to do that because the next section is is always a fun one. The the final section. Um, so yeah, I'm going to move on past this now. I'm not going to make this a lengthy rant like uh, like I normally would. Uh, we are going to move into the final section of the cast where we talk about what's coming up.
So, uh, what's, uh, what's coming up then, man? What's, what's coming up? Okay, so what's coming up? What's coming up? Uh, first of all, I've actually got the box on hand. Uh, this guy, the Primaris Marnius Calgar. Uh, I said I've been tweaking my Ultramarines list a little bit. Actually starting to kind of stick my nose in a few places, find out what's good and what's not. Um, the Victrix Honor Guard that come with it, maybe maybe don't make the cut like that. I think it's like 80 points for two of them. Uh, but it does add like a bunch of ablative wounds to Calgar. Um, you cannot target Calgar while he has that unit near him. Uh, you have to kill them in ranged. You have to kill them in ranged before you can kill Calgar. And they have a three up invuln. Um, and obviously like if the unit charges you like Calgar's an absolute fucking beast in combat anyway um, but they you know they do have uh, some AP minus three tasty swords so and they are Primaris now the Victrix Guard so like maybe the Victrix Guard make it into my list uh, if I cut the Storm Raven they almost definitely do because I'll have about that amount of points left over after I reshuffle my transports um, so if I cut the Storm Raven, they 100% get into my list. But Calgar himself, uh, he was really fun to play with. Like He's got the normal Chapter Master abilities, so you uh, pick a unit within 6 inches each turn to give full rerolls, and he gives reroll 1s to all core units within 6 inches. Um, he effectively has like a Master Crafted Storm Bolter, that's basically what his gun equates to be in pretty much. It's like an AP minus one damage two, rapid fire two strength four weapon. Uh, which is, you know, it's fine. Like, it, it you know, it, it's not nothing. Um, but in combat, double power fists that uh, double power fists that don't get minus one to hit. So like, double power fists that actually hit on two ups. Um, I think seven attacks on the charge, if I remember correctly. I've only played with him once, so I'm a little bit uh, fuzzy on his stats. But I think it's like seven attacks on the charge. Uh, you know, hitting most things on twos, uh, wounding most things on twos or threes, depending on, you know, what he's in combat with, uh, but twos or threes for, for the majority of stuff. Uh, and then, um, D3 damage per hit, AP minus three, like, it's pretty fucking good. It's pretty fucking good. And in a gunline army like, um, like Ultramarines, being able to have this character that you can just sit in the middle of your two static squads. So I use Intercessors as my two static squads because the Ultramarines, um, in the Tactical Doctrine, they don't count as having moved, which I mentioned earlier, which means that they get to rapid fire up to their full range um, for two turns when they're in Tactical. So what that means is you can have this little static gun line of Intercessors and benefit from the 30-inch range of the Bolt Rifles. Um, and it might even be that I should actually be playing Stalker Bolt Rifles. It might be that they should actually have Stalkers. Because you can sit him in between them. And then you can sit like a Dreadnought close by as well. And so what ends up happening is you get to give the Dreadnought the full rerolls. And then the two squads that are nearby have the reroll ones. And you have this really solid static gun line just off of Calgar. Okay. But then... If your opponent wants to like deep strike your backline and charge, they've got to deep strike your backline and charge being aware that you've got this absolute combat beast in your backline that can heroically intervene, um, that has shock assault, you know, that has eight wounds and halves all damage dealt to him. Like, you really have to consider what you're gonna deep strike into the backline of Ultramarines if he's there some of the typical things that you'd want to deep strike in might not be great choices um you know he's certainly forcing he's forcing terminators to their invuln save and every single wounding hit can potentially kill a terminator um so your most common deep strike target being terminators you're actually going to have to sort of think for a second like do i do i want to risk like can can i kill this guy if he's halving all damage dealt to him has eight wounds um has an invuln has a two up base save like can i actually get him dead before he strikes back and if he does strike back like is this charge actually worth it um and being able to have a static gun line whilst just having a single miniature that is an important part of that static gun line but also um 
kind of fucks with your opponent's charge maths quite significantly. That's really cool and, and quite powerful. And I think it means that Kalgar is currently worth playing again. Uh, again, I don't know if that's at Cobb level, but certainly at the kind of level that I like to play Warhammer at, I think he's worth playing again. So I picked one up and I finally get to paint him. And I love this miniature so much. Um, I have a, a mate who collects Ultramarines who used to commission me for like loads of his different Ultramarines things. And I was fucking begging the whole time that he was regularly commissioning me. I was like, oh, I really hope he gives me a Kalgar at some point. I really, really hope he gives me a Kalgar because I, I really, really wanted to paint a fucking Kalgar. Um, and he never did, which is, you know, that's the way it goes down. Um, I got to do a Gilliman for someone else and I got to do like, an apothecary, an ancient, um, a sergeant Joven, uh, and some scouts for him. So, you know, I got to do a fair range of stuff, but um, still never got to paint Calgon. I finally get to get my hands on him. So, this is going to be. This is going to be an episode of Box Fresh uh, that will be coming up fairly soon. I'll try and film it this week. I uh, can't promise that I'll film it this week because obviously I have got commissions to work on and I've got quite a lot of commissions to work on, let's be real. Um, but I will try to get that done this week. Um, so there will be a box fresh on Marnius Kalgar. I've got a few Space Wolves commissions coming up. Uh, the eagle-eyed amongst you may have spotted just there. That is Njal Stormcaller. That's the metal cast of Njal Stormcaller. Um... But I've also got a Primaris Ragnar arriving. They're both commissions for the same customer. Uh, so I'm going to be working on those soon. Which could actually mean... It could mean that um, I do two episodes of Box Fresh in the same week. Probably not. I probably want to do another episode of 102. Uh, so it's pro the, But the, there's certainly going to be two Box Freshes coming soon. Because the uh, the Primaris Ragnar is also done in the Box Art. Uh, in the Box Art colour scheme. Um so that's going to be sweet. Uh, there's, so there's going to be a couple of really cool Primaris Commandery uh, box freshes coming up, uh, which is going to be excellent. Really, really looking forward to that. And uh, and and finally, there's going to be more Tabletop Simulator. Um, I would love to be able to make content about Tabletop Simulator, but I don't think it's the kind of content that maybe I can make in the most engaging or interesting way. So... What we're doing instead is whenever I play games on Tabletop Simulator um, with, my, with my friends, with my patrons, stuff like that, um, what we're going to start doing is I'm going to be asking a third person to spectate the game and stream it to my Discord server. Uh, so we did this already once, uh, Victor Fonsati, the lovely Fonsati, who, you know, again, regulars will know. Um, he did the streaming for me, and he also acted as referee for us, which was really helpful. By the way, if you're playing Warhammer 40k on TTS, having a referee is superb. It really helps the flow of the game. Having someone to just help uh, resolve visibility, place zoning markers down, track objectives and stuff like that for you, having that third person is super helpful. But in this case, what Fonzie also did was uh, he did the stream for us in my Discord. So he just he just uh, screen shared it to the Discord chat room uh, so that everyone in my Discord could watch it. And I'm going to make that a regular thing. I'm going to sort of ask people, uh, you know, is someone available to be cameraman slash referee kind of thing. Um, and when we have games in my Discord, uh, we're going to stream them in there. So if you're not currently a member of my Patreon campaign, uh, if you pledge a dollar a month which is like that's the minimum tier uh you'll get the video version of this vodcast you'll get early access to my youtube videos you you typically get them uh a few days before they come out at least sometimes as much as a week before they come out um and in a couple of corner cases actually it can even be like two weeks before they come out it just depends how far ahead i because what i basically do is i release them to my patrons as soon as i film them but i don't release them as soon as i film them i have a release schedule for things so in some rare cases, you may even get early access um, as much as two weeks in advance. But one of the really cool things that you'll now get is you'll be able to A, play games of 40k with me because my Discord is where I'm arranging the games that I'm playing. That's the easiest way for me to arrange games because everyone in my Discord plays 40k, right? So it's you know that's the easiest source of games I have. So not only will you be able to play games with me, but you'll also be able to watch streams of me playing games with other people going forward. Uh, which is going to be brilliant. It's something I'm really excited about. It's something we can sort of get together with as a community. And we can hopefully sort of teach each other as well. You know, we can learn to kind of improve each other's game. We can give each other feedback on things that we did right and things that we did wrong. Um, 
which I think will be great for all of us for kind of growing our skills as players, um, and, and I'm excited about that. So TTS is going to start to to play more of a role. Uh, it won't be so much in the front-facing content. You know, I'm not going to be uploading like YouTube videos of it and stuff like that because I just don't think that's the kind of content I'm good at making. Um, instructional content, I think, is what I'm good at making. You know, with a sort of a bit of a comedy edge to it. I'm not really super great at calling play-by-play -play whilst I'm trying to play the game. Like, I'm trying to fucking concentrate. It used to be the problem when I tried to stream Magic Arena. Uh, it's been the problem in the past when I've tried to stream video games as well. If I'm trying to concentrate on the game, I don't tend to have enough awareness about me to commentate on it well for other people to enjoy. Um, whereas, you know, in a, in a Discord where it's more like a watch-along and everyone's kind of tap, tapping in the text chat and... The pacing is a little bit more controlled. Uh, sorry, I just need to have a sip of coffee. Very dry throat. Um, that sort of works a lot better. Um, so there will be some TTS 40k content uh, of a manner of speaking, but it will be in my Discord, hanging out casually, playing games with people, and... Uh, you know, begging. Probably my mods, unfortunately. I ask a lot of my mods, and I really do wish I could do more in return for them. Uh, but it will probably be my mods who sort of act as referees and, and uh, restream the game for everyone else to watch uh, in the server. But it's uh, it's going to be fun. I'm really excited about it. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, so it looks like we've got some fucking good weeks coming up ahead. Looks like we've got some really good weeks coming up ahead. We've got some good content, and hopefully that's going to offset what we were talking about in the rant about how shit being back in lockdown is you know we've got so much cool stuff coming up that hopefully it won't feel too sad that we've been stuffed back indoors but you know let's hope let's hope uh so i think this is going to end up adding up to being a relatively short cast compared to usual but i think that's okay because uh, i want to get back to my new kitten and and help him settle in um and and you know just look at him because he's really pretty so i'm gonna get out of here folks but thank you so so much for watching and uh i will see you on the youtubes in the coming week with uh with some tasty new content for you thank you so much everyone for your continued support and uh bye bye for now bye bye for now <laughs>